Amen. Hey, let me ask you a question. Do you feel him? You feel his presence? That's what happens when you seek him and when you praise him. Amen. I'm not going to take up no preaching time. Preacher McCormick is no stranger to Temple. Uh, he's one of my dearest friends and a, and a great mentor to me. Uh, will you help me welcome and give a good old-fashioned Coleman, Alabama welcome to Preacher McCormick from Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida. All right. There you go. Good morning. You are uh, happier to be here than in any morgue you've ever heard of. Is that a good amen? amen. I got my sermon upside down here, so I got to get it turned back up right way. You heard about the fellow that had cut his, shade, his face one morning, the preacher, and he got up to preach, and everybody was wondering about what the, the cut was. And after church, they, this lady asked him, said, Preacher, what happened to your face? And he said, Well, while I was shaving this morning, I was thinking about my sermon and cut my face. She said, I've got a fault. Why don't you think about your shaving and cut your sermon? <laughs> Amen. All right. Listen, every service ought to have at least three elements in it. Information, inspiration, and application. If you don't learn what to do with what you learn, you haven't learned anything that you needed to learn. So inspiration or information, inspiration, and application. Now, God has given us some inspiration this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but I almost, while he was singing a while ago, the fellow with the keys on the side, when he was singing, I almost took off from right over there and come up went back and then I thought well I might not get an offering if I do that <laughs> I mean you got to keep your mind straight you know <clears throat> this morning I want us to study in a few minutes about the apostle Paul and his ministry now every one of us if you're saved have a ministry whether you're exercising your ministry like you should or not is up to you. But you have a ministry. I have a ministry. All of us have a ministry. I don't know anybody that we could look at in their life to pattern our ministry life after any greater than Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And Paul gives us in the book of Acts some things about his life that kind of opens up and reveals to us what the ministry of the Apostle Paul was all about. So we're going to turn there in Acts chapter 20 and verse number 17 is where we're going to start. In just a few minutes I'm going to read a little scripture and then we'll read more as uh, we get along in the message. Acts chapter number 20. And we'll begin reading in verse number 17. Now while you're finding that, remember this. The Apostle Paul had been in Ephesus and there's a great upstir because his preaching had caused some of the unsaved to get a little edgy because they were losing money. You remember the silversmiths? Paul leaves there after a period of time there in Ephesus and he's on his way 
to Rome. Paul comes back by a distance away, but back close as he could to Ephesus. And because of time, instead of Paul going over to the church at Ephesus, which was a young church, he calls for the elders of the church to come and meet him that he wants to talk to them. And as they come to Paul, Paul sets them down and this is what he begins to say to them. I think that most of you can understand this. Most of the time, the closing words in anybody's life are very, very important to them and to you. I have been in the hospital room and in the bedroom, in the living room. I've been at the, on my knees at the floorboard of a car and heard the last words that a person says. Different times, different situations, but they're very important words. Here's what he said. Verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to, uh, to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptation, which befell me by the, way, by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shown you and have taught you, you publicly and from house to house. I was thinking this morning as I was going back over this scripture. This is probably the first time that I know of, Brother Carter, that um, small group meetings are mentioned in the Bible. Right here, small group meetings. House to house uh, and, and publicly testifying both of the Jews and also of the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and now, behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Father, I thank you this morning for the Lord Jesus. You sure have been good to us. God, I, I, I sure do like you a lot, and I love you, and I know that these folks love you, and God, I want my life and my ministry, and they want their life and their ministry to be something that will be very pleasing to you. So Lord, now for the next few minutes, just take away from our minds and hearts the thoughts and the cares of the world, and help us, Jesus, to center our attention upon you and what you would have for us to learn today in this service. May the Holy Ghost of God encamp round about us. May the angels minister to us this morning as we study your word together. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul... And this passage of scripture is teaching us and giving us some great insight into his life and his ministry. I don't know of anybody 
outside of Jesus that we could sort of pattern our life after that would be any better than the Apostle Paul. I think Paul's heart was right with God. I believe Paul had a desire in his heart to please the Lord. I don't think there was any pretense about the Apostle Paul. Paul, when he got saved, he got saved from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. He got saved all over in every area of his life and Paul never backed up from the things of God and the Word of God. And this morning, as we look at it, there are several points that I would like for us to consider. One is Paul's attitude concerning his ministry. Now, I say this on a very regular basis to people. Everybody has an attitude. Most of the time, whenever you hear anybody say, well, they've got an attitude, it's in a negative sense. That's not always true. Everybody has an attitude all the time. You either have a good attitude or you have a bad attitude. But we all have an attitude. We have attitudes about that the very day that we're living in. We have attitudes about our family. We have attitudes about our job. We have attitudes about our church. You have an attitude about your pastor. Good or bad. But you have an attitude about your pastor. You have attitude about the ministry that you are in. You have an attitude about what God has done for you. You have an attitude about how God is blessing your life. So Paul had an attitude uh, about his ministry, concerning his ministry. Verse 17 and, and night, uh, 17 through 19, he said, uh, called the elders of the church, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the very first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all times, serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Paul was simply saying, there's no pretense about my life. He said, you've seen me, you know me, I've come to you in humility. I don't have anything that I'm trying to brag on me about. I just come to you and in, as a person. And, and folks, can, can I encourage us to do this? Just be real. People like real people. If you want to cry and you feel emotional and you want to cry, it's okay to cry. If you want to say, well, praise the Lord, it's okay to say, well, praise the Lord. Just be real. Just be yourself. Be the same all the time, every place, with every, everything. Just be real. Pretense is something we do, not do, we do not need. I think that's one of the things that caused the Apostle Paul to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. These words he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which bestowed, uh, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. Paul simply saying, I am what I am. God has blessed me. God has given to me. And folks, this morning, all of us know, we are a blessed people. You've been blessed. I've been blessed. But it's not because of our goodness. 
There's not a one of us that deserves any of the blessings we have got. If anything, we all deserve hell. You know that. I know that. And outside of the grace of God, we'd all be headed there. And Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. If you've got two nickels to rub together, it's because of God's grace and God's blessing. If you have the help to walk up and down the street, get drive your car, it's because of God's blessing. You might take good vitamins and praise God for good vitamins. I like that. You may eat right. Wonderful. But it's the grace and the blessings of God that causes you to be what you are. If you've got any intelligence today, don't look down your nose at somebody who does not have it because outside of the grace of God, there goes you and there goes me. So Paul said, there's no pretense in my life. In fact, in verse 19, he refers to the fact that he was a servant. Now, all of us agree that we want to serve God. Amen? All of us agree that as a child of God, we ought to be a servant. How many of you feel that a Christian ought to be a servant? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand. Hold it up. And did you know you mean that until somebody treats you like you're one? We usually will all agree we're, we're a servant until somebody treats us like we're their servant. And then the devil rises up in us and we say, bless God, they're not going to walk all over me. Bless God, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll take some things, but I ain't taking that. I'm just as good as they are and they don't going to look down their nose. I don't have to take that from anybody. You ever been there? If you have it, your buddy has. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Serve one another. And it's important that you and I as Children of God serve one another. My wife and I have uh, been coming to temple since, well, shortly after Brother Malcolm got here. But we comment all the time when we get here. I have never seen a place with as much activity going on. I don't know if y'all gamble all night. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. I, 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 I'm, I'm scared to death to ask too many questions. But there's just something going on here all the time. Glory to God. I mean, you people study how to be servants. You all demonstrate how to be servants. You all are involved in serving God. In fact, I saw it this morning. It said, um, I, I, I saw it now, hold on. Love God, love others, and serve both. Yeah. Being a servant of God is an attribute that the Apostle Paul had. Folks, you're here in temple. You have an opportunity to serve God and to serve others and to serve each other. By the grace of God, continue to do it. You're showing and you're making a difference and you're uh, sharing a testimony and you're giving an inspiration to people that ride by here and walk, by our, uh, walk on these grounds 
you're inspiring them to want to be involved in the work of God because when you get out of the cars, I met this man and, and, and his wife yesterday afternoon. I don't know if they're here or not, but they, I, I, we came up in the truck and they were sitting in the car waiting on an usher's meeting. And they got out of the car so excited to just be involved in being an usher here at the church. Now, I don't know all that that involved. It might mean that uh, you, you, you usher baby diapers. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It may be that you usher cars. I just know that when they got out of the car, they had a smile uh, on their face a yard wide and the lady was just so bubbly and so excited, wanted to know if this was my first time here. Did I know anything about what was going on? Was I here for the, uh, uh, for the uh, ushers meeting? And I said, no, ma'am, I- I'm not here for the ushers meeting. And she said, well, I didn't know if you know how to get inside or what. Just wanting to be so helpful. I turned to the man and I said, That's my wife going across the parking lot. You've probably never been in this situation, but she is zeroed in on the bathroom. And uh, (laughs) he looked at me and he said, yes, sir, let her go. (laughs) So, but the whole point I'm trying to get is this. I got the idea that if I'd have said to that man and woman, I need you to come over here and help me change this tire. He'd have jumped right in the deal. I told the preacher last night, maybe it's this morning, I said, I don't know how much you paid Brother Dustin, but it ain't enough. He is just a good guy. I got here, and I was having a little bit of a problem. He drove up. He just jumped right in and helped me set the camper up. I know what most of you thought I was having a problem with my wife, but he couldn't help with that. (laughs) But (laughs) I was having a problem with the water. He just jumped right in, helped out with that. Just a servant. Just a servant. Paul said he wanted to be a servant, to serve one another. Then there's another characteristic about Paul in his ministry, not only a servant's heart, but he, was, he, he had humility. He was, was one of his characteristics. Listen to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Now I've already covered a lot of that. But we need to always remember, we are no better than any else. Don't, don't you just love your preacher? You love Brother Carter, don't you? You know why you love Brother Carter? He loves Jesus, but Brother Carter loves you. And what you see him at the restaurant or in the church or in the woods, whatever he's doing, he's the same guy And you never feel like that he thinks he's better than you are. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. We're all sinners saved by grace. Then D, one of the characteristics of the Apostle Paul and his ministry, he had a tender heart. Did you notice there in verse number 19? That the Bible says with uh, 
serving the Lord with humility of mind and with many tears. The Apostle Paul shed tears over the people. I, uh, I was raised in a family that was pretty hard. I never saw my daddy cry, not even when his mama died. My daddy thought that it was a weakness for a man to cry. So I grew up like that. God called me to preach. I was trying to pastor with that hard heart. One day at Inglewood Baptist Church, probably 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, I was struggling in pastoring. I got on my couch on my knees in front of the couch in my office on a Sunday afternoon. And I said, God, please break my heart. I said, God, I can't go on if I can't feel whenever people are hurting. I can't go on if I can't feel for lost folks. And I said, God, would you break my heart? Now, I'm not sure how long I prayed. It was a couple hours. And after a little while, the Holy Ghost of God broke my heart. And from that day to this one, you can say, boo! And I'll just cry over the way you said it. (laughs) But let me tell you this. There's been many a time... In 55 years of preaching and pastoring, 55 years that I've been with people and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to comfort them. Brother Carter, you've been there. All I could do was put my arms around them in a hospital room and just cry. Cry with them and they'd cry with me. The Apostle Paul shed a tear. And until you care enough, now I know everybody's personality is different. I'm not getting into that. I know everybody's emotions are different. And I'm not trying to say you ought to duplicate anybody. But I'm just telling you, you need to have a tender heart. And if you need to cry, you just cry. My daddy, he got saved. He's the first man I ever baptized. He got saved after I did, him and mama both. And after my daddy got saved and <clears throat> began to grow in the Lord, he came to our church. We were about 30 miles away from where he lived, but daddy and mama drive every service. He'd sit to my right, about the fourth or fifth pew back on the right. I could just announce this scripture, open my Bible. I'd look up. Daddy would be there just crying. Just tears rolling down his face because God had broke his heart. So Paul shed tears. Jesus was not afraid to do that, was he, in John chapter 11? Jesus wept. When's the last time that we just had a good old-fashioned cry and spell because of the grace of God? I'm trying to sing over there a while ago. 
And I got to thinking about, I got a roof up above me. I've got shoes on my feet. I've got food on my table. Woo! Glory to God. Ain't Jesus good, huh? Yes, sir. I couldn't hardly sing for sucking snot. Because God is so good to me. Apostle Paul's life was not always easy. In his life, he had temptations that befell him. Now because of Dustin having that thing up there, we can't read all this scripture. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you begin to look at it. Paul's life was one of turmoil. He spent some time in jail. He was in the ocean. I, I don't know. That scares me to death. I, I swim pretty good. But I can't tread water. I don't know why. But some people can just tread water. I can't tread water. Now if I got capsized in the in the middle of the ocean, I knew I couldn't swim back to Jacksonville, I'd be in a mess. I just can't tread water. But Paul was in the water many times. In fact, he says, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day in the deep. I journeyed often in perils of water, uh, in journeyings often in perils in, of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, and the list goes on. What Paul is saying is, life is not always easy. And brethren, I just want to tell you this this morning. I know that many of you in this building today, I don't know your burden. Your pastor doesn't know all your burdens. But many of you, are ha- you have burdens. And life is not always easy serving God. Some of you get ridiculed at work. Some of you get ridiculed at home. Some of you get ridiculed in the neighborhood. Some of your family think you're crazy because you tithe and give an offering and give to missions and spend so much time at the church serving God. But let me just tell you, life is never real easy for the child of God. But I know this, that God's grace is sufficient and there is no thing that will, the devil can ever throw on you but what God is not able to give you the grace and the courage and the strength to overcome that and to help you to just keep on keeping on. I'm talking about exercising some good old-fashioned holy stickability. When the things get tough, you just got to get down on your knees and begin to pray to God and talk to God because God is able to meet every need you have. You say nobody understands what I'm going through, but I'm here to tell you God understands what you're going through. God knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, and God will give you the strength that you need to meet every need you have in your life, in every situation. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. God is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm telling you that in the tough times, God is right there by your side. Can I get an amen? Number two, not only Paul's concerned 
about our, our Paul's attitude concerning the ministry. <coughs> and, uh, but our attitude ought to be patterned pretty much like the Apostle Paul. Number two, Paul's commitment to preach and to teach. Look at verse number 20 for a minute. Before I read this, I just want to tell you, and uh, th- th- this is not a thing. To get any brownie points. But God's blessed you with a preaching machine for a pastor. God has blessed you. But, but, but folks, that don't come because his mom and daddy bought it one day at the dime store. Oh, oh y'all, I'm sorry, at Walmart. <laughs> y'all don't know anything about dime stores, do you? There's three or four of you that do. But... <clears throat> They didn't buy that. It came and is and will continue to be by the grace of God and an empowering of the Holy Spirit of God based upon a prayer life and a Bible study anointed of God and sincere from the heart. So Paul now, in verse number 20, he says, and, now, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shown you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. What Paul is saying is simply this, that his commitment to the ministry was the preaching of the word of God. Now, I praise God that that your pastor has an ability to be, he's a pretty good carpenter. Uh, I found out he's a decent electrician. He's probably a a, a fair plumber. He does know that the hot water goes on the left and this mess won't run up his hill. And that's about what you got to know to be a good plumber. But his main responsibility here is to preach the infallible word of God to you, his congregation. And anything that you do that gives him time and opportunity to pray, to study, to be prepared for the preaching of the word of God in these services. That is the most important thing that you can do in his life and for the ministry of Temple Church. I'm not sure in verse 20 when he said he preached everything. But I've often thought about that. I'm sure that Paul's preaching included such things as Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Jesus. I'm telling you, I believe that when the Apostle Paul began to preach and to establish churches and to teach churches, he taught them that there is no way but one way, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Do you remember after 9-11 how that many people uh, were invited, many pastors of big-name churches and large congregations to uh, different television programs and shows and news things and were given the opportunity to maybe make a statement for Jesus that would just be 
life-changing in the life of some people. But time after time after time, these big preachers sidestep the reality that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he died, was buried, and resurrected for the payment of our sins, and there is no other way to heaven but through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care if that bothers your uh, church background or not. It is not Jesus plus baptism. It is not Jesus plus speaking in tongues. It is not Jesus plus money. It is not Jesus plus studying. It is not Jesus plus this, that, or the other. I'm telling you that the Apostle Paul, I believe, preached that Jesus is the only way. He is the truth and the life, and no man will ever get to heaven outside of the precious Lord Jesus. I think his preaching also, brother, included sometime uh, a a subject in a good old-fashioned sermon on pure redemption. You know that you and I are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Outside of the shedding of the blood, there would be no redemption. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I'm telling you that the blood that Jesus shed was the redemption for our sin and outside of the shed blood of Jesus, you and I have no hope and I believe that you'd have found in Brother Apostle Paul's uh, preaching agenda, he'd have preached some on redemption. Your pastor preaches that Jesus is the only way, that the blood of Christ is the only thing that can cleanse you from the sin of our life. I believe that Paul every once in a while just peeled back and and preached him a sermon on pure old-fashioned dedication. Now, I believe and Paul believed and he preached in liberty. But sometimes, folks, you just need to be dedicated to the things of God. Sometimes I think Paul would preach on dedication. Sometimes whenever you would like to go to Aunt Fossey's and Uncle Herbert's, you just got to stay here because you have a responsibility at Temple Baptist Church to be here to fulfill your responsibility in your place. And sometimes it just takes plain, old-fashioned dedication. Don't you like people that are dedicated? I like folks that are dedicated. And I tell you this this morning, I'm looking over this congregation and I'm looking at many a woman that is dedicated and has been dedicated to her family. And you men, we men, understand what that means. Because most of the time, your wife is still working whenever you have quit, sitting on our backside, relaxing and feeling sorry for herself. She's still getting it because she's dedicated to that family. I'm telling you, we know something about dedication and we ought to exercise dedication in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. I think he probably preached on sanctification. Now that's a subject that we don't like to hear much about because we don't need necessarily, we don't want to be very sanctified. We want to be set at free and have liberty. But there are some things in your life 
and my life that God expects us to be set aside and be apart from and not be involved in. I'm telling you, whenever you get born again into the family of God, blood washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed and on your way to heaven, you ought to change the way you talk sometime and quit your cussing and quit your carrying on and talk like a man or a woman that's been born again by the Spirit of God. Sometimes there are places you just can't go that you used to go. And you, there, there may not be a whole lot in your mind wrong with you going there, but you just don't need to be seen there and at temple on Sunday. Amen? Amen. I remember I voted best dancer in our school my senior year, high school. And uh, had a big old picture of me dancing when the annual came out. Well, between the time that they voted on it and the time the annual came out, I got born again. I got saved. God called me to preach. I'd already surrendered to ministry. And the annual came out. Now, we was in a little country town, kind of like Pullman probably. You know, where everybody's business is everybody's business. And the annual came out. And some of the sisters at the church done got their annual. The kids brought home. And they saw Brother McCormick. Mm-hmm. Getting it done. I'm talking about down. <laughs> and they say, he supposed to be a preacher doing this. Bless God. See, I didn't understand all of it. I just got saved. I hadn't been to church much. I hadn't been to Sunday school any at all hardly. I didn't understand all this stuff and how to answer them. But I knew that in somebody's mind, it was wrong for me to dance. Now, y'all hold on to your hats. But I also knew that there weren't a thing in the world after I got married that I could ever do on the dance floor that I hadn't done in my, with my wife at home. But she and I made decision. She liked to dance too. In fact, I met her at a square dance. She was a, whew, she's good. She could square dance. Wow. She's good looking, dressed nice, always smelled. Man, she smelled good. <laughs> and I'm 73. And when I smell that smell, I still. Walk right up. Now, before y'all got off on that, where was I headed? Sanctification. I got it. She had that perfume on this morning. <laughs> Talking about sanctification. But she and I made our mind up that both of us loved to dance, but that we would never dance again, not because I felt God would send us to hell because of it, but because it might cause somebody who maybe was not as mature in their spiritual life as they should be to be offended. And the Bible taught me that it would be better for me to have a millstone about my neck 
and cast into the sea than to offend one of God's children. So Paul now had an attitude about the ministry. Paul had a commitment to his preaching and his teaching. And Paul's calling was to the unsaved. Listen in verse number 21, what the Bible says. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, at Temple Baptist, we need to be reaching people with the gospel. We need to be reaching the unsaved. It's not about us four and no more. We need to continually reach out into the community. Reach out where you're at at work. And you ought to know unsaved people. You say, oh, I thought we were to come out from among them and be ye separate. You're not supposed to be like an unsaved person. There's supposed to be something different about you than an unsaved person. But folks, if you don't have some unsaved people that are friends in your life and in your sphere of life, you're trying to live in an egg and you ought not to be there. That's a place for chickens and not for Christians. And there is a little bit of theology in the statement that's a place for chickens. Because if you're not ashamed of the gospel, you'll be talking to unsaved people about the gospel. And if you're a chicken about the gospel, you need to get that right. We need to be reaching the unsaved and teaching them that they, that they are to put their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, folks, we're by no means through with that scripture. But God has a need in this church, in your life, and in my life that we focus our attention on unsaved people, bringing them into the house of God. You remember the, sto- the uh, scripture of the Great Supper? It all boiled down to this. God was teaching us, I don't like for my house to be empty. I don't like for my house to be half full. You go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that God's house might be full. Folks, I want to encourage you today. Be encouraged by the fact that God is blessing your life, blessing your church, and you have an opportunity to be involved in reaching people with the gospel. Don't back up. Don't let down. Bring them in by the hundreds. Bring them in by the droves. Bring them in and your pastor will preach to them the infallible truths of the word of God. And it is the Bible that will change a man or a woman's heart. Father, thank you now for everything that you've done for us. Lord, I pray this morning that the Holy Spirit would deal with every heart in this building. God, you've touched my heart. Lord, I just pray that you'd touch every heart here. Help us to look at our lives and examine it in light of the word of God and the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Help us, Lord, to incorporate the things in our lives that were so prevalent in his life. Help us, Father, to be involved in reaching the unsaved and bringing them to Jesus. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning who's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray now, Father, that you would speak to their heart 
Lord, that they would come and let somebody share with them the word of God and show them how that they too can know how to go to heaven. That their sins have already, the sacrifice has been made for their sin. And by faith, they can trust the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus as payment for their sins. As we stand very quietly together, please, the pastor will come in just a moment. Lead us in the invitation. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, would you please respond today as God leads you. Amen. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender All to Him I freely give I will ever love And trust Him in His presence daily live I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender 